Asado. Welcome to another edition of What's Up, Dude. This is episode 14. I apologize for the hiatus. I understand it's been a while. I missed you. I hope you missed me. Um, it's been a few months. So this episode that I'm about to show you was recorded a few months ago. And I think it was six months ago or so. Uh, so if there was something that we referenced in there that is old, just forgive us. So with my good friends, uh, Tiffany and Rick and Alex also made an appearance on it. Alex has been on one or two episodes previous. We work together uh, and we're good buddies golf together as well. Golf is a new thing that's happened since you last heard from me. And I'll tell you all about that on a later date, on a later episode. But for now, enjoy Rick and Tiffany talking about the art that is float. What's up, dude? Oh, what's up, dude? What's up, dude? What's up, dude? The only thing is just make sure that your mic is like somewhat close to your mouth. There you go. And try not to touch it. Oh, it's wonderful. Hello. Yeah. Hello, hello. Too oftenly, often. Too loud, too quiet. You okay? <clears throat> I feel good. I could Sweet. Really use a little more. I know you don't care about me. You really just care about them, but that's fine. <laughs> How's that? Check. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Sweet. Say something. Hello. Hello. Yeah, that sounds good. Something. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, uh, do you want to go around the room and introduce ourselves? Everybody knows this voice. Everybody. Uh, my name's Alex. A.K.A. Naked. Middle name? Uh, A.K.A. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my name is Rick. My middle name's Henry. Wonderful. <laughs> I like the no last name thing. This is nice. Yeah. We'll keep this going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tiffany Dawn. Tiffany Dawn. Wonderful. Uh-huh. Happened to be the sibling of Alexander. Yes. Okay. Older. Older sister. By how many Why years? Why was that necessary? Uh, two years. Because <laughs> you're 25. 25. Are you going to be 26 this summer? I will. No more insurance for me. <laughs> oh, you got to pay your own. Yep. How does that work? I'm so behind on life stuff. It just like just well, how life really. works. I mean, you're it 23. Just, so. It just stops. Yeah, it just stops. And then you get a bunch of emails from the government saying, hey, do you want to buy insurance? And then you buy okay. insurance. I'm surprised I haven't gotten that yet. Yeah, that's I mean, kind of strange. I'm close enough. Right. I went like two months away. Yeah. Ugh. Get injured now. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. Use I, all of I your really, doctor's I appointments. To, yeah, yeah. I should go. Go to the dentist. To the dentist and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Are you fully covered? Like, uh, do you pay a dime when you go to the dentist? I think we pay a copay. I I'm not sure. Probably. Yeah. yeah probably. It's probably yeah. something small, but. Yeah. Usually when you're on your parents. At like whenever we were on dad's, it was like $25 yeah. for a normal, like doctor's yeah. appointment. You know, what's super interesting is whenever, whenever a doctor knows that you are on insurance, they just jack up the price of everything. Mm-hmm. So it's like, like, I think it was you that was saying whenever you had to go to the ER, you said you were self pay, right? And then your dad was saying that your mom, I'm talking to Caleb, uh, freight said, <laughs> your mom will call and automatically get like 40% off because she can just like tell them like, yeah, I'm copay. So 
you need to cut this price down. Right. You usually get a self-pay discount and, but they'll try to kind of screw you Mm -hmm. until you like show them the documents and you're like, no, I'm self-pay. Yeah. I don't know how it's crazy. It's annoying. Just the whole medical world and how they take advantage. Mm -hmm. Let's rant about that for three hours. (laughs) Speaking of medical world segue, (laughs) (laughs) what works better than medicine? (laughs) Um, So (laughs) don't don't, don't put that on me. (laughs) For the record, Rick did not say that. What we're about to talk about what's spread medicine. But um, so oh, man. I'm going to call this episode float. I know we're going to talk about other things. Flout? Flout, flute, fleet. Um, what is the past tense of float? Floated? Flute. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to clear that up. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what kind yeah, of question? Of course yeah. it is. Right, it's a simple, um, simple answer. Yeah. So talk about just the beginnings of float, how you found out about it. Not only float the company, but like floating in general and what it is. Cause people probably don't know that. Yeah. Um, so I work at a float center here in St. Louis. The name of the float center is float STL. We provide a service of flotation therapy or sensory deprivation or people talk about it in a lot of different ways, but we just like to call it floating. What it is is um, a device filled with 10 and a half inches of salt water. Inside of that salt water, we dissolve about a thousand pounds of Epsom salt. So it produces in an environment more buoyant than the Dead Sea. The rooms are dark and quiet. The water's heated to skin temperature. Uh, So you, you go in, you shower off, you get into the device, you lay back, and you float effortlessly on top of the surface. It's very relaxing, um, fairly rejuvenating, interesting, exciting, sometimes annoying and scary. <laughs> but all in all, in a general sense, it gives people a greater sense of well-being, uh, more insight into themselves and how they operate. And then on the physical level, the decompressive nature of floating being nearly effortless and also uh, the Epsom salt kind of commingle to creating a better sense of body wellness, uh, relaxation in your muscles, removal of lactic acid, all that good stuff. So then that concept had started um, quite a long time ago. The isolation chamber, the float or the water isolation chamber was... Uh, invented in the 1950s for research purposes in academic settings. From there, uh, the person who invented that isolation chamber found it actually really nice, really comfortable. The whole, the whole reason he created it was they were studying the effects of sensory deprivation on consciousness and the ways that they tested what sensory deprivation did for consciousness their, their methods of creating sensory deprivation were, were pretty barbaric. So they would, you know, lock somebody in a dark room for a period of time with nothing. Uh, they would also blindfold somebody or, or shine a, a, a blinding light onto somebody and place static into their ears to create a sensory deprived state. And then they thought that sensory deprivation 
created psychosis, but the inventor of the water isolation tank thought that it was just a problem with the methods. And then um, from there, he created that. People started to like it. They realized that when people are in this sensory-deprived state or the sensory-reduced state, they don't go crazy. (laughs) They don't start to lose their mind. They actually get a a greater sense of well-being. And then he started to share it with his friends. Um, And then in the 70s, the first commercial float tank, there was a a change. So the isolation tank was just seawater, actually. Uh, and then in the seventies, um, Glenn Perry had the idea to add in a lot more salt than seawater. They took it up to, um, saturation and they had way better floats. So then Glenn Perry's kind of the, the, the father or grandfather of the modern day float tank. It had some commercial success in the seventies and then it went away for a while and now it's back. In a big way. They're close How to big 800. was it in the 70s? Um, <clears throat> from my research and the people I know who were there at that time, there were between 200 and 300 centers in the world in the 1970s. Um, right now, we are touching about 800 centers in the world right now. That, that surprises me. I would think it would be more than that. Right, uh, right now? Yeah, right now, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, crazy. I mean, we have, what, five? Six in St. Louis at this point. Yes, mm-hmm. different different companies. Yeah, different centers. Okay. So you know, Flota CL has two locations. There's a couple mm-hmm. other companies. So we have a huge market here in St. Louis, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Is that so? Do you know if it's more prevalent in like a certain part of the world? It is the most popular and most well adopted in the United States right now. Uh, there have been centers open for, um, you know, 20, 30 plus years in the United Kingdom. Um, and then also, uh, where is that? Um, the Netherlands, the Netherlands are huge adopters of, uh, flotation tanks and, and of that, that service. I think there are uh, 12 or 14 centers owned by just like one company in the Netherlands. Hmm. There, there's a huge boom. Um, Europe is definitely, it's getting more popular and more, um, utilized, but in, um, in the United States, there has been a really big boom recently. So uh, talk about a little bit about your involvement with Float. How did that start? When mm-hmm. did you first hear about it? That's for both of you. Yeah. So you want to go first? I'll go first. You go first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I am a certified massage therapist. Okay. And I went through a local massage therapy program in... Uh, 2013, 2014, um, during that massage therapy program, I, um, heard about floating. I've always been really interested in how our perceptions of reality the perception of, of who we are, what it is that we're doing shapes our actual experience on a day to day basis. 
massage therapy is helpful in adjusting body perception and then mental perception to a degree. But at that time, about midway through school, I was really interested in finding some sort of uh, technology or service offering that was more focused on, uh, you know, the perception of the self. So there, there are a few other things that I was interested in, but um, floating really emerged as a really great potential. I mean, it sounds great. Uh, it sounded really great to me. So about halfway through massage therapy, um, I went to Chicago. That was the closest float center at the time. I went there to to have a session in the uh, the shop that has been open for the longest. They've been open for 30 plus years. Uh, Space Time Tanks. They recently closed down and have to move their operation, but really great time, really great experience there. And I just immediately fell in love with it. Um, I had the session. I came out. Colors were brighter. Uh, I felt just so refreshed, so refreshed and so much more clear on who I am and, and what it is that I'm doing. And part of what it is that I'm doing is doing this, floating, like that had to be a part of my life. Uh, so from there, you know, I took that information back with me. I finished out my massage therapy education. Um, and then serendipitously, I was... Oh. <laughs> Holly. <laughs> I was uh, browsing the internet, uh, learning about floating in hopes to open up my own center. I wrote uh, my business plan at the end of massage therapy training on opening up a float center. In August, I, I graduated in July that year. In August uh, 2014, um, there was, and every year since, a international float conference in Portland. It's put on by uh, the float on guys out there. Um, they're really really great in boosting this industry. Was that the first float conference? No, no, it was, uh, they've been doing it for six or seven years. Okay. So I think that was the third. Okay. So I went out there just kind of like decided, Hey, I got to go out there. I got to get into it. Um, if I'm going to open up my own center, I need to learn. First day I was there, I went through this workshop and basically all it did was terrify me about opening up a center like this. There's so much work in, that goes into it, so much attention. The second day, I ended up connecting with um, this guy named Jordan. He's from Kelowna, British Columbia. And we just started talking, and he asked me if I had met Kevin yet. And I said, no, I haven't met Kevin yet. I hadn't met anybody, really, <laughs> at that point yet. I was pretty quiet up until that point. And then he introduced me. Kevin was actually sitting in the, the row right in front of us and one seat over. He tapped him on the shoulder, said, hey, Kevin, Rick's from St. Louis. You're from St. Louis. Like, you guys should talk. And Kevin like stood up on his chair, jumped over the row of chairs that he was on, <laughs> and like sat down, like made Jordan move from next to me, sat down right next to me. And he was like, what's up, man? You know? <laughs> and uh, we just started talking. And we hit it off really well. We talked pretty much the entire time. You know, we were with each other for quite a few hours on that day and the next day. And it turns out that he was six months away from opening a center and we gelled really well. They needed a massage therapist for um, some extra space they had upstairs. So I like 
Yeah, <laughs> I fit that role. <laughs> and then, um, you know, got much closer with him over the six months of construction that I was there for. Helped pick out paint. Like, that was one of my really favorite moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, two or three months after they opened, I was officially hired by the company. Wow. First employee. Yeah. Yep. What was your role at, in the beginning? In the beginning? Yeah, I, like day one, what are you doing? Day one, well, we have this really great thing that we do at Float where for the first week or two of your employment at Float, you don't do anything. So you just watch. You just watch. You just watch and observe how the people who know how to operate the space operate the space. And at that time, nobody knew how to operate the space. So (laughs) I got a lot of time observing what it looks like to have something that looks so polished and clean and put together, but to live inside of it and have absolutely no idea what's going on Uh at any moment during the day. Super helpful for me. So I, I just watched him do that and I slowly picked up tasks along the way that, you know, I felt comfortable in doing. Um, I worked part time with them for man, maybe six to eight months, something like that. And, um, yeah, it was really great. And then I, then I was, uh, I was brought on full time once there was space for it. So, I mean, you're, so you said now when you guys hire somebody, you're just observing for the first week. Was it like that when you were there for the first week? Well, a lot of what I did before I was hired was go down there and bug them and just be there, just uh-huh. sit next to them. Um, and who's them? Them, uh, the owners of Float. Uh, okay. Kevin McCullough and, and Jacob Rash. Okay. Uh, so at that time, you know, they, they continuously told me, um, you know, we, we can't hire anybody right now. And I was like, okay, cool. So then I would just go down there and just sit hey. in between massage clients hang out, uh, ask like questions. The classic, like get hired story. <laughs> it's like, yeah. The classic <laughs> like entrepreneur story. About, they talk about that in the music industry all yeah. the time. It's like, Oh, I couldn't get this job at the studio, but I just showed up and like hung out. I just bugged them until they hired for me. Yeah. Yeah. Months straight. It's, but, a, it's a good classic. move. So you and Kevin were friends at this point though, right? Or yeah, still, yeah. okay. Yeah. I mean, there were, there was talk that this was going to happen. You know, Kevin told me that I will be the first employee of float STL, you know, months before, um, even the center was opened, but his timeline of what the first employee and when that happened was, was different than my timeline. Uh-huh. It's like, that's what I'm doing now. Like I want to do this now. Uh, the more time I wait getting to this place that I want to be, I mean, why wait? So just being there and, and, and adding value and getting in touch with that, I think went a long way into making him feel safe to kind of pass along the space to me. And I, I mean, I, I worked there probably th- two months before I ever was in the space alone, you know? So it's, it's a really slow process. And, and we try to keep that process built into the hiring process. Even now when people are on board, <clears throat> it's, it's important, especially in that space to be really intentional with how you speak to others, how you receive them when they come through the door, how you receive them after they've floated. Kevin and Jake, they have a background in psychotherapy. So 
um, I've gotten probably like two thirds of a psychology degree <laughs> just being there. Uh, right. And something that we pass on, not in an academic way, but pass on in, in a human way and in an experientially based um, system of experimentation and learning, growth, change, making mistakes. You know, that's, that's really at the heart of it. And we try to instill that into each person that joins the organization. Yeah, I think that's super interesting because, and we, we talked about this after Caleb and I have floated before. But like you keep using the the phrase this space like it's it's literally like you just walk into that room and there's just a different aura about the room mm-hmm. like and I don't know if the, if you have anything else to say about that but like it's how do you, I guess what I'm I'm asking how do you mm-hmm. guys create that like what's your goal in in creating that space so with creating the space the Intention is to not create something that influences. Instead, the goal is to create a space and and like the real sense of the word Mm -hmm. where there is room for, you know, whatever it is. There's just room for it. And it's not even necessarily growth. Like that's an easy thing to say. Like there's room for growth, but it's not that. There's room for um, anger. There's room for sadness. We create space for connection. We um, do any of those things, but the way that we create that is not by doing anything because doingness kind of reduces the potential for something special to happen. So instead we could have like a really cool couch. Like people sit on our couch and we could have like this really like nicely made artisanal handcrafted wood carved couch. Right. But we just have like a pretty nondescript couch that's comfortable, that fits. It looks nice in the scheme of things. The physical space is set up in a way that's really, really intentional, um, very uncluttered. And then that kind of gets the ball rolling plants uncluttered low lighting warm salt lamps those kind of things and then from there the real challenge is to create that space um, and one-to-one connection so when you come in i don't bombard you but i come over and i introduce myself and i ask you for your name instead of you know when's your appointment Mm. uh People will come in and say, like, oh, I'm your one o'clock. It's like, no. What's your name? <laughs> like, you're, you're Jenny. I'm Rick. Mm-hmm. You have a session at one o'clock, but you're not my one o'clock. Uh-huh. Like, you're a person sharing this space with me. That's such an interesting concept, because that's, like, exactly opposite of America, <laughs> which is great. That's so yeah. awesome. Yeah, greeting them at the door is another thing, like... Mm-hmm you won't see them standing behind the huh. the counter. Like they have a counter and they have a computer back there, but you know, people walk in the door and they're at the door shaking your hand, inviting you in, mm-hmm. asking you to take off your shoes, um, come in, have a seat. Do you want something to drink? Not bombarding them with questions, um, but just like giving them the space to, 
to almost take it from there as to Mm -hmm. if they have questions or if they're nervous or, you know, if they're excited, you know, meeting them in that space where they are so that they feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then we, we serve them in that way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I don't, occasionally I'll, I'll jokingly say like, are you excited? You know, but I'm not trying to influence where this person is. If I can Mm -hmm. see that they're like excited, then I'll say like, are you excited? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, do that. But if somebody's coming in and, and they have like a long face, you know, I won't. <laughs> Are you stoked? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can tell. <laughs> right. Well, you're going to be. Right. But instead, you know, you find, you find that person, you attune to them and um, try to meet them where they are from the very, very beginning, create that sense of safety for them to open up. And then once they start to open up, like support that, serve that. Like, it's not about me. It's not about what I want to talk about today. Uh, it's not about what I want to do or what kind of experience I want you to have. It's about connecting with them, creating that safety, listening to them, serving their needs, protecting their body, ushering them through the space and out of the space, and then receiving them in whatever myriad of ways they come out of those mm-hmm. devices mm-hmm. is a person could come in super excited and they'll come out and they'll look like a different person. And like, maybe they just remembered something from childhood that they haven't thought about for 30 years. Like I can't predict that. So instead of trying to predict it, it, it then comes back to that, you know, that space part, that holding of the space. Um, so I just, I come out and make, you know, I, I make sure that I'm solid, that, I'm not activated with emotions that I'm not trying to get something out of anything. And then from that place, I'll receive them. And I think you do an amazing job yes, of accomplishing that. So, so I, I mean, I could tell the first time that the first time that I floated, um, I do want to get back to this because there's so much I want to talk about here. <laughs> but first I want to talk about yeah. Tiff and yeah. your involvement with float yeah. and, I mean, go back to like, were you and Rick together when you floated the first time? Like you guys are dating for those of you that are listening. (laughs) (laughs) Tiff and Rick are together together. So I'd heard about floating, but had never floated before I met Rick. Um, so I was working at blueprint and Rick and Kevin and Jake were regulars at blueprint. And so I'd heard about it and, um, started up conversations with them Whenever Rick and I started dating, um, I think it was probably three weeks. As soon as possible. (laughs) (laughs) As soon as possible, um, I floated for the first time. And I was very, very excited for my session, I remember. Um, But also, like, unsure about what was going to happen and not really knowing, um, you know, what it was going to be like. But I knew that Rick was going to be there. So that was good. Um, And so my first session, I, you know, there's like an element of novelty to your first float where you're just like, uh, oh, like this is basically a big bathtub. I'm just laying down floating on water. It's really dark. What's happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you just kind of, you know, you feel the water, like your senses, especially from the beginning, you're really like trying to, uh, wrap your mind around what this is and what the experience is, but also excited about, you know, what it can be. And so, um, my first session, I think I probably was 
active, engaged for probably 30 or 40 minutes out of the, the 90 minutes that I was in there. Um, and then I zoned out and, um, I remember seeing colors, which is a a pretty prominent thing for my floating experiences. Um, and, and almost how I usher myself into that more relaxed state as I will start to see colors. And then I kind of, you know, focus my consciousness on those colors and how they're moving through my perceptions. And then, um, usually from there, I'll just kind of like zone out entirely. So that's what happened during my first session. Um, I remember seeing purple. I remember seeing yellow. Um, and I came out feeling super chill. Um, and you know, showered, did the whole thing, came out, we hung out for a while. Um, and then I, you know, proceeded to float probably for the first couple of months, just like once a month Mm -hmm. and then, um, started floating more frequently. Um, and then I was, I was transitioning out of my job at Blueprint. I, I worked at float for a little while. So I interned for a couple of weeks and, um, just like noticed the space, you know, didn't really do anything. I'd fold some towels, um, We're really big on towels. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of them. Um, yeah, I'd roll some towels and then started at the space full time. So I worked there for probably six months. That sounds right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Six months full time. Um, and, and Alex, it's interesting that you like talk about this, this space. Um, because that's ultimately what I you know, attribute floating to be is space. Like it's space for me, um, to understand myself, to rejuvenate, to, um, like like whenever you're floating, your body will do whatever it needs to do first. Mm -hmm. So if you need to sleep, you'll sleep. If you need to zone out, you'll zone out. If you need like to integrate like huge pieces of, changes in your life, like your mind can be on it. Um, you know, it's that space for me. And then working at flow was space for me as well. I was transitioning Mm -hmm. and didn't exactly know what I was going to be doing next. And, um, it was really a really, really good experience. So how would you say that, uh, well, how much time was there in between your first or second float and when you started working there? Like, did you experience floating mm-hmm. without working there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it was probably uh, eight months. Am I overdoing that? Six I, months-ish? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> that works. Nobody's going to challenge yeah. you on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So how would you say floating as a, as a civilian <laughs> compares to floating as an employee? Um, or is there, is there no difference at all? Well, there's difference in frequency, which is excellent. Um, floating as a civilian, you know, I had the benefit of dating someone who had a multitude of float credits, um, to just like give to me, which was excellent. Mm. Um, but then as I started working there, I was floating twice a week. Um, and so that frequency and, um, 
really, really making a practice of it rather than just like a sporadic, like every once in a while I would float. Um, that was probably the biggest change. So, you know, whenever you're floating on a regular basis, you, you start to like recognize where your body is, um, where your mind is day over day. And you can kind of tell like, oh, I need to float, (laughs) you know, at this Mm -hmm. point, um, it's time. So, and then, you know, you, you, no, no float is like another float. So you don't have like a, a consistent experience. Like it's always going to be different. So, um, I don't think that I really knew that or recognized that until I started working there. I think I was like trying to get into the groove and thinking that like my practice would be like, okay, I'll get to a point where, uh, at every float, you know, at the 10 minute mark, I like zone out and then I'm zoned out for the whole time. And I wake up with the lights and done like mm-hmm. excellent. That was a float. Um, so I, I think I just had that, um, I don't know, just that perception. And, and, you know, as I started to float more frequently realized it's not the case. Sure. Uh, so walk us through the process of floating for mm-hmm. those that, cause it's, Unless you've done it, it's somewhat, uh, it's somewhat of a gray area. Like Mm -hmm. it's kind of intimidating. My first time was like, what is this going to look like? Because Mm -hmm. the website did a really good job of prepping me. You know, there were photos of what the devices, that's what you call them, right? Mm -hmm. What the devices look like. I wanted to do the room because it felt more spacious and, um, but walk us through what that process is like. Yeah. So the... The process is you enter into the space, um, you take off your shoes, you spend some time relaxing in our, our, our lobby, I guess is what people call it. We call it the chill space. Much better. Uh, yeah. Um, you spend some time relaxing there maybe have some water, have a little bit of tea, don't want to have too much to drink. And then um, each person or group of people is led through the process of floating by one of our staff members, by one of the facilitators. The We take those people back from the chill space to back hallway that contains the devices there are, at the Maryland Heights location, five separate devices. All of the devices are intended for one person to use at a time. No couples floating. Do they uh, have devices for that? Yeah, for I mean, you, you could do it in the devices that we have. It's just not what we believe to be most helpful yeah. for the space and for the individuals. Mm-hmm. Um it's not as uh, relaxing, or um, I don't know. Yeah, it's just the whole a whole different to thing. Be not distracted, and that's a pretty distracting thing. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think it would be impossible to have a session with another person and not be distracted mm-hmm. by their body. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a thing. Uh, then we we walk people through step by step. The process of orienting to the space usually takes maybe five to seven minutes. 
Uh, we touch on all the things that we have in the room, which isn't a whole lot. There's a chair. There's a shelf with earplugs and Q-tips on it. There's a shower. And then there, you know, the, the showering products are provided. And then there are the devices themselves. At the Maryland Heights location, we have two different types of devices. Um, generally, the more photogenic of the two is the float pod. It's probably one that people have seen before. It's like a large clamshell uh, where the top part of the clam opens and closes. Um, and then the float rooms are just kind of like big rectangular bathtubs almost. Probably like the size, if not bigger than an elevator. There's a large vault-like door that you enter and exit through. And you step directly into the water. Um, which, again, there's just ten and a half inches of water, so it's very shallow. Uh, there's a colored light on the inside of the device that stays on as you get in. You get settled. And then the amazing part is when you go from sitting in the water to laying back in the water, you just effortlessly pop right up to the surface like a cork. And then you're floating. You take some time to get used to that and you press a button. The lights go out. They dim out slowly. And then the music begins. And then you just lay there. You do, do whatever. You know, Not everybody just lays there. Some people move around. They'll stretch. I do a little self-massage sometimes when I'm in there. Um, but most of the time, I just lay there uh, and try to take notice of what's happening. So after the session concludes, the lights come back on which is really clear, it wakes everyone up very easily. They exit the space, and then they shower off again to get all the salt water off of their body. They get dressed, they come into the hall, and then come out to the lobby, or we have a, a couple of rooms in the hallway that are, are nice and useful. Then, you know, they stay as long as they would like. They can ask us questions or talk about their experiences with us. Sometimes it's nice because we're really safe. Like, nobody's ever come out of there and said something that made me think like, wow, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I've had all those experiences myself. Mm. And we'll usually just chill for a second. And then when people feel that it's time for them to move on, they move on. Mm. Cool. That was a great description. Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> Felt what like I, I just floated. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it a couple of times. Um, what I find interesting is that there's not a right or wrong way mm -hmm. to float. Yeah. Which I really enjoy because in almost every other um, consumer based business, there's a, there's a, like a right or wrong answer. Like if you go to, say we talked about blueprint earlier. So blueprint is the third wave coffee shop here in St. Louis. And one of a few of like the top shops and you could go to blueprint and say, I don't like their coffee. Mm -hmm. I don't think somebody's going to go float and say, I don't like what they're doing there. They might say it wasn't for me, mm -hmm. but I, I don't know. Maybe you guys have heard that, but it's just such a unique experience. There's not anything to compare it to. It's not mm -hmm. like comparing blueprint to sump or, to another coffee shop because you've never experienced anything like floating before. Mm -hmm. So it's not like 
your comparison is going to the pool or sitting in a jacuzzi because <laughs> right. it's just completely different. So, I mean, do you see that most people after the first time they float, do they come out just like what just happened? A large percentage of okay. people. Yeah. yeah. And then what would the other percentage be? People that are like, eh, not for me or yeah, it was fine. Yeah. So, um, the not for me crowd exists. They're like, that was cool, but I can't see myself spending my time that way. Uh, you know, they might feel bored or unproductive and, uh, and that's totally cool mm-hmm. because it, you know, it might just impact them in their life. And then rarely we'll have people who come in and, and just say, you know, uh, or we, we, we have surveys that we send out after floats. They'll say, I didn't like how much people talk to me there. And so that's another group of people. And we're like, all right, well, you can go like, that's cool. Like that's, right. this is what we do. Like that's the part that we control of okay. the business. Right. So it's, it's, it's really like a really small percentage of people who have negative experiences. I would say probably in the like two to 3% range of people who feel like it wasn't expressed to us that it wasn't for them or they didn't find any enjoyment in it. Okay. Would you, um, what would you say to someone that has floated one time and said, it's not for me? Well, (laughs) Tiffany's got something. I would probably just inquire further. Like, you know, tell me, tell me more about, you know, what it was. Cause if it's, if it's something about, um, like, not feeling good in the space, then that's like something that potentially we can adjust or Mm -hmm. in the flood um, space. Yeah. Like if they're too hot. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, there's variance in the ability to be able to, you know, change the color of the light, change the temperature of the water. You can turn, turn the music on the whole time. If you don't want it to be silent, those types of things, you know, are easy fixes. Um, Mm -hmm. Other people, you know, there. I encountered a couple people who, you know, had long-standing trauma to their body, and mm-hmm. it just wasn't comfortable for them. And so, you know, at, at that point, it's well, you know, is there anything that we can do? We'll give you another float, let you try it again. We'll give you a, a pool noodle if mm-hmm. it's going to be more comfortable for you. Um, we'll give you an extra, like they have these little blue rings that are flotations that go underneath your head and, um, that's in each device. And so, um, you can, you know, have another one of those, if that would be more comfortable. Um, if it's really just like, you're not comfortable with being with yourself in your own mind for that amount of time, then, you know, um, that's not something that we have any control over, but would give you another float to try it again. Because if you're not comfortable with your own mind, then maybe you should be floating more. Right. Which is kind of what I was getting at. I guess I was asking that question, trying to get an answer, which I don't (laughs) like doing normally, but I would tell that person I floated twice, by the way, which is not that many times, but just like, you need to try it again. Like, that's what I would say, Mm. because as a first time floater, it was very interesting, very unique, but there was so much going on. It's almost as if like, like if you'd never been on 
a theme park ride, like, an, or you'd never been to an amusement park. And then mm-hmm. you went to, um, like Cedar point mm-hmm. with some of the fastest, <laughs> tallest, biggest roller coasters ever. And you went for one day for 10 hours and you just rode all of them. You'd be like, I don't even know what I just experienced. Like, I don't know how to explain that. So that's kind of how I felt. It's like floating. That, but the exact opposite. <laughs> right. The exact opposite of that. But yeah. That extreme. Aesthetically. The opposite. Right. Yeah. So it's good. It was like, I, I was more taking in everything physically mm. and I had to force my mind to calm down. And once I knew what the space was like and had experienced the space the second time, which was a few days ago, Alex and I floated again, and Rick was there both times to kind of, you know, walk me through it. Um, the second time I was completely relaxed. I couldn't wait to get in. Mm. Like he was like, you ready to go? And I was like, yep. Just remind me of which one's shampoo and conditioner and I'm good. Mm-hmm. So I, I immediately hopped in. <laughs> I immediately hopped in and laid down and it was like, let's go. And before I knew it, it was over. And I was like, oh, I want to do it again. And so <laughs> for me, the second time was much more exciting and beneficial, um, but I do love that everybody gets something different out of it. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and to just go a little bit further into that, oftentimes when we have people who come out and say that it was not for them or, or mentally challenging for them, they won't use those words, right? They'll say, um, I was bored. I was uncomfortable. I didn't like it. So usually you just probe into that and say like, Oh, you didn't like it. You know, like not only like, what didn't you like about it? Mm -hmm. And then start to kind of like unravel and unlock those different layers because it is potentially jarring to an individual who comes in there and isn't open to a new experience. And they think it's going to be similar to a massage or similar to a yoga class. Mm -hmm. It goes a different direction. It's not, it's an active, I mean, not to say that, Yoga is an active, but it's much more active of a process than say a massage is. So I usually just like to probe in there. And oftentimes the, those kind of emotions that people are feeling will unlock and then they can understand a little bit better what was going on. And they're usually pretty happy mm-hmm. after all of that's, that's done. But you know, it's just like, uh, if you ever see a child like, hit like stub their toe or something and it's very clear like that's the first time they've had an experience like that and they're not quite sure how to like integrate that experience (laughs) into their body they'll like look to their parent and if the parent's like oh no (laughs) then they're gonna start crying right yeah Yeah. and and we're all like that i'm not comparing the people who come to us to children we're all (laughs) like that all like that we're all looking for these like culturally understood experiences and how how to react in them so when i see people that stub their toe i'm like yeah like it's all good come here like have a seat it's gonna feel fine Mm -hmm. and just pay attention to the sensation in your toe. And <laughs> is it really that bad? Right. Like, is your toe broken? <clears throat> and then maybe it is. And then we should do something about it, but maybe it's not. Interesting. That's very interesting. How would you say that floating has affected you spiritually? Um, hmm. 
And that's a super loaded question. Nah. So if you need a minute to think about it, that's okay. <laughs> I don't really, th- I, sometimes I think I need a minute to think about it, but I don't actually think when I take a minute. <laughs> <laughs> My mind's just like clear for 30 seconds. <laughs> And then I just start talking. That's so perfect. That's so funny. Uh, So I I have, uh, you know, prior to floating, I think I had a pretty developed view of myself and my spirituality. From what floating has done, I think, for me more so has been to recognize my place in the experience of creation or the experience of being a member of a society, being a person who interacts with other people like that is like the spirituality of floating to me is being able to go in there and to listen, to remember, to recall, to reflect on the ways my being impacts those around me. And I hold that very dear. And I I didn't know that, that was going to come from it at all. You know, I had a pretty like macro meta spiritual spirituality where I oftentimes thought about things in these big picture ways of like, you know, like how was this created? What are we here for? Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. That's, that's all good. But it never entered into my life fully. It was always in the, in the mind. Mm. What floating has done is helped me develop the spirituality of my body, the spirituality of like the flesh, the interaction with other people. And to recognize like that we can pass on experiences. Like we can create special moments for people anywhere in the grocery store. That's my favorite place to do it. (laughs) I never use self-checkouts because I think the grocery store is a great place to talk to the cashier or I guess that's what you call them, right? Yeah. The ringer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, The ringer. ringer. (laughs) Checker outer. Yeah. Yeah. You you talk to the checker and my like expressed mission after I've gotten all the food is to like go up there and like make that person laugh or make them have a good time to the best of my ability, like shake their world up a little bit and like be there with them, be present with them. So the floating has done that for me. Floating has really helped me put that into practice. Hmm. Tiff. Yeah. Um, so I started floating in a time when my understanding of spirituality was really in flux. And so floating has been hugely influential to me um, for my spirituality in merely knowing um, myself better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have... Um, 
I've had experiences in the float tank where I will understand something about myself or about my childhood or um, like how I view something and um, it'll completely change my worldview or um, I remember one time I like had a realization while I was floating and I... I think I sobbed for 30 minutes while I was floating. Um, and it just like was, I mean, going back to that idea of space, like I understood something about myself better than I had understood it before. It was hugely emotional. It gave me the opportunity to, um, to sit in that and to, um, to deal with it, to heal, to release it. And, I came out of that float more connected, more present, um, better knowing myself than those. That float in particular is one of like my most iconic floats in my memory of, Hmm. of just really sitting in this idea and understanding it and integrating it and then releasing it. And than being more connected coming out of it. Mm. Would you say that the, the reason why you're able to, and this could be you personally or for anybody, but the reason why people are able to meditate more easily in that space is because all distractions are removed because of the lack of physical sensation Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I think similarly to yoga in some (gasps) circles, you know, the sensory deprivation tank, which is what I call, I don't even know if that's correct, but that is seen as like this meta, like spiritual, crazy, like, like there's something, not that there's not something spiritual happening, but I guess my question is, does the spiritual happen because of the lack of physical sensation? Yes. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything to you. Like people will think like, Oh, the sensory deprivation tank is going to do something to me. Right. It doesn't do anything to you. And it just, again, creates that space for you to be, mm-hmm. which I can't name another place in reality that I have that. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's the action. That's like the fundamental action of, of the device. Yeah, I think um, it allows you to have the opportunity to go deeper into something that you need to do. You know, if it's, um, if you're, you know, constantly inundated with technology and with um, busyness, with life in general, like you are more easily able to push something that you need to like deal with away. And so floating, especially floating as a a regular practice just gives you that space to, um, to develop, to, um, pry into your inner being and and understand who you are. Hmm. Do you think that's why float is like floating sensory deprivation is becoming such a thing is because of the world that we live in now is so distracted. Yes. By social yeah. media. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. and, 
without a doubt. We're inundated. I mean, I, I wasn't this age 10 years ago, obviously. So I, I can't know <laughs> what somebody who's 25, what their experience was as an adult in 2008 mm. or 1998 or, you know, 1988, whatever it is. I can't know that. But it seems to me that we have a different set of things that are creating sensations for us. It's not to say that their lives were dull and gray and bland, mm. but like the, the technology has moved in a way where the, you know, the color palette of our life has a lot to do with blue screens, with technology, with social media, with, um, you know, w whatever those, uh, sensory inputs are and our sensory inputs, these devices, I can like feel it. Like I can feel how like awesome they are, but how intrusive they are, like how they get into my brain and how my phone is like the first thing I check in the morning. Like, whoa, like what else does that? I don't know what else does that. Mm -hmm. Maybe the radio, you know, you wake up to the radio. Yeah. I used to wake up to the radio when I was a kid. I wonder if people thought the same things about radio. Like back in the eighties or whatever, it's like, oh, you're listening to that radio all the time. I need to <laughs> go outside. <laughs> they they probably did, I'm right? Sure they did, yeah. But the the iPhone feels different than radio now because I can listen to radio, um, and when I'm done, what? on your iPhone, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, sometimes I go old school and go to the FM tuner on my car nice. and <laughs> hang out for a second. And it feels different. It feels even different than if I listened to it on my phone because of the levels of choice involved. Like I don't listen to the radio. Like I listen to audible on my phone. Right. And I'm choosing the book I'm listening to all of these levels of choice. I think there's more choice now in our lives, which is a positive thing, but that also loops back in on like these echo chambers of these reflections of the self, like your, your phone background looks like you, the apps that you have on your phone look like you, like all these choices are so important. We're making these choices all the time in these digital spaces. And we're also really, really intertwined with that. And I, I, I notice as I, I, I love technology. I think that, the digital age, I'm very excited to be a part of this, but I also think that there needs to be something that counterbalances it. We have people who come into the center and they turn off their phones and we don't ask them to do that. So there's a connection mm -hmm. there. I don't ever turn off my phone unless <laughs> it dies. Yeah. Then, Same. So yeah. if they're turning off their phones in our space, it's pointing towards something. That's true. Um, one thing, the, the first thing that I noticed when I floated was how I was treated as a guest, as if you had welcomed me into your home. Yeah. And the way that you described um, the space earlier and how you guys interact with that I felt 100% mm. both times I did it. And 
it, we didn't even really know each other that well. So it wasn't mm-hmm. because we had an established relationship. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I mean, I had never been to your house. This is my first time being in your actual house. Mm-hmm. And the space felt like your home, mm-hmm. which I think is very unique. And you should pride yourself in that if you guys Thank don't you. already. Yes, because what you're trying to do is working. And so even if, even if someone had distaste for the actual float or the device itself, nobody's leaving a one-star review on Yelp because of the customer service, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, so, I thought about just going and hanging up, like hanging out up there, not even floating. Yeah. Just to like be in the Do space it. and You're welcome those to. Ikea chairs that I've like just freaking love so much <laughs> and I want one, but I'm not going to spend the money on it yet. But yeah, just being in the area, it's like, and I, every time I float, I'm just like, I'm going to get there like 30 minutes early. Mm. I just, I want to have that extra time. Yeah. In space. yeah. You rolled in early mm. last, uh, the most recent float. And I was like, cool. Mm-hmm. That's what we want. Yeah. <laughs> right. we, we just hang out there all day. Yeah. Yeah. I showed up, I think right after him, I showed up about 25 minutes early and it was so nice. I mean, you just put your phone down you take your shoes off immediately and drink some wonderful tea. I, I mean, it's not. It's not like swinging into a dentist appointment where you're like oh, geez. screeching in two <laughs> minutes late. <laughs> dentist aside, you know, yeah. any other appointment where you're screeching two minutes late and they're like, he'll see you in the back. And you're like rushing in. And, yeah. you know, I, I think it, you guys don't at all um, like guilt anyone into preparing yourself. It's just something that you want to do. Like mm-hmm. I was listening to this ridiculous podcast when I pulled in that was just silly and ridiculous. And I turned it off and then turned on um, this song that I'm really digging right now, this really soothing song and just sat in my car and listened to the whole thing and then walked in. Mm. Cause I knew if I walked in to the space after listening to that show, I would, it would be like, culture shock. Oh like, no, we would have just can't. joked. I would have just thrown jokes at you. <laughs> <laughs> it would have just been like a big feeling. Well, yeah, that, that's, in, that's an interesting point. I mean, do you, after working there for a while and just interacting with people on this other level, I mean, I would say interacting with somebody in that space is different than at the grocery store. There's certainly similarities, but would you say that you've become fairly, um, good, I guess, at just reading people? Uh, no, <laughs> you can be conceited if you want. No, no, it, I, I don't. It's n- not something. I don't want to keep taking these things into like these really meta and philosophical places, but it. we're just here. It, it's, it's not something that you get good at. It's something that you try really, really hard to do and you practice every single day. And if you stop practicing it, you stop having it. Because people are constantly in flux. Culture is constantly changing. Like, I am so much more aware of popular culture now that I go there. Because there are a lot of people who like popular culture. I watch movies just so I can talk to people about (laughs) watching movies. Because... It's it's like a service to like the people around me and being able to flex and to flow with them and it, like like it's really terrible. I haven't seen Infinity War yet, um, but everybody's talking about it. So like I want to go see it just so I can like mm. receive them and not make them feel weird. Right. Like, oh, I, I didn't watch that movie. Right. It's like what does that mean? You didn't watch that movie. Right. It's a good movie. Or you kill a potential conversation because that's the only thing that mm-hmm. that person had mm-hmm. the only tool they had in their belt. Yeah. So like, did you see Infinity War? And you're like, no. And they're like, 
All right, well, this is over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good talk. Let's see what's going on on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. That is really interesting. So it's not, um, it doesn't come from a place of like, like, like it's not FOMO. It's not fear of missing out. It's more like, hey, I would like, I want to interact with you because you're a human being. And if, <coughs> like meeting people where they are. Yeah, almost, like that's what yeah. people do. Like, yeah. I'm not angry when people start talking to me about traffic because like, I know about traffic. Like, I oh, don't get me going that. about yeah. traffic. <laughs> like, if you want to talk about traffic, check this out. I'm going to talk about traffic. And, uh-huh. I, and I have it all figured out, right? So, so, so yeah. I, I, I mean, I have my things. I have my, uh, my things that, you know, I focus on that a lot of people don't. But I think, uh, you know, like, when you talk about reading people, like, yes, I, I, I'll concede a bit of that, like, you can you, you detect emotions on people's faces. My job is basically sitting in a room with people I don't know all day, every day, and making them happy. And I've definitely gotten many, many times better at that. But I think the way I've gotten better at that is expressing my emotions more clearly, um, like learning about popular culture or whatever it is, like trying to recognize what people are interested in and be interested in it and then faking it when I have no idea what they're talking about, but I want them to keep talking Mm. Um, and being able to go into service in that way. um, Like this lady was talking to me about her farm and I don't know anything about farms, but that's an opportunity because then I started to ask her about her farm and she started to tell me about her farm. I wouldn't say like, if you asked me in a, in this situation, if I wanted to talk about farms, I'd probably say, probably prefer not to talk about farms. It's not (laughs) usually like what's on my mind, Mm -hmm. but for her, that was where she was. And then everybody's so interesting. We ended up talking about her pet goose and like Hank, (laughs) Hank, her pet goose. Perfect. And she was like, you know, I just miss Hank in my farm. He just come up the hill honking at me. And I know it was morning and I bring him his food out. And I'm just like, this is amazing. <laughs> like, I love that. She's like being so, so real. That's so good. When, uh, when I floated for the first time, Alex had floated. How many, how many times did you floated? Like five, maybe? Probably, I think closer to 10, but. Okay. 10. And, um, so he was really comfortable in the space and he knew what was going on, but we were both sitting, I think it was before our float. Might have been after. I don't know. You'll probably remember. But there was it this was after. There was this father and I think his two sons that walked in and I I think float, other than the airport, float is my favorite place to people watch. Mm-hmm. Again, I've only done it twice, but I like to um act as if I am like a mind reader and I can like peg this person on like what they're feeling or like what kind of person they are, which is like something I would never speak to them about, but Mm -hmm. it's just something I do internally. It's like, this is fun. I wonder what this guy's story is. I wonder if he's done this before. He's probably really scared right now or just like has no interest in it. And his kids drug him. Like who knows, right? Who knows? So these three people walk in, they're talking, they, they they kind of felt like they just came from like a baseball practice and they thought it might be good for, you know, sports and ball stuff. (laughs) So they like sports ball. Yeah, sports ball. Get so the ball good. They sat down on the couch and they I think they were talking. Yeah, they were just chatting it up. And Rick, you walked over to this area. It's this little like almost like a living room setup with a couch and like th- 
three other chairs maybe uh yeah yeah chairs, so it's yeah. it's a space where probably five or six people could sit there there's two couches and two chairs to be specific okay <laughs> two couches two chairs so picture it how many plants uh well we just rearranged it oh, okay. so at that time probably four okay now you can picture it four plants so <laughs> three, a peace lily white walls uh, a dracaena 30, 30 foot ceiling uh, <laughs> Oh God! There's a painting on the wall and some lamps. Perfect. All right, cool I think books. we set the stage. Yeah, we set the stage. <laughs> I think it was just the three of them, and you walked up and you just sat down. Mm-hmm. And Alex and I are watching this happen simultaneously, not talking about it, but we were both watching this happen. And you just sat down, and you're just kind of looking around, mm-hmm. and you're not on your phone, you're not reading anything, you're just kind of looking at them, and you didn't say anything, Nothing. and it was so odd like not i wasn't like rick is a weirdo but it was just like what is about to happen like i know this guy well enough to know he's doing something like this is so intentional and so i think a few minutes later you came over and and sat with us and we were talking about our float experience and say anything to you you sat there the whole time um you guys began talking i think yeah yeah. it was probably a good 30 seconds maybe a minute okay it was yeah it was actually quicker than it usually takes i do Um, remember that Sometimes I'll just sit there forever. So <laughs> what I want to talk about. So you walk over to us and I think Alex brought it up and he was like, dude, well, just- I think we actually started just talking about like how Rick like interacts with people in the space. And then he brought up that what Caleb was about to say. So I'll let you do that. Which is just like, what? It was kind of like, what happened over there? Like, you just sat there. I know that you were trying, like, what were you doing? And mm-hmm. you explained it in a very interesting way. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. And not just that, not that scenario, right. but just in general, why you do that or why you feel like that's beneficial. Yeah. What happens? I, I can remember how the, his that dad's face looked now. I can see it. Um, so they, we can start specifically with them. Uh, I mean, they're great. They're, they definitely like sports family, very like conventional. Got them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And the, the dad got kind of drug along, but he was doing this like dad thing where he's like championing this thing. Dad thing. He has no idea what's (laughs) going on. (laughs) Right. He's like, these guys brought me here. (laughs) Like, we're going to do the, the full thing. Right. Um, and like, I see that's from time to time. Uh, and then, you know, sometimes I'll just enter into conversation with people and and keep it going. I think that that's probably about half of what I do, but, um, I've developed a technique (laughs) over the years of just what you say. Uh, people sit down and there's no, no TV or anything. There are like a couple of books on the table, but there's absolutely nothing to do. Um, except for maybe talk, but, uh, people are, are, are interesting. And I don't want to come in and say, you know, something to get them going all the time. Like I, I can tell sometimes when people will just be on the surface level with me, we'll talk about how you heard about floating, how the traffic was, how the weather was, and then about floating and then they go. And that's like totally cool. But occasionally I'll, um, you know, decide for whatever reason, like 
now's the time I'm going to just sit next to this person and create an experience for them. So I just thought that it was the time to do it. They, they seemed like they didn't really know what was going on and didn't really know where they were. So I just went there and I, I sat down and looked comfortable. Is part of that is like, you can just sit down and be comfortable. And not in 2018 in America, you can. <laughs> so the, the greatest way that I can explain that to somebody is to just sit down next to them and be comfortable. Um, or at least appear comfortable. It's not always comfortable for me. Sometimes it feels really weird. But I'll just sit there and look happy and get comfy in the chair and not do anything. And it almost always brings something out of a person. It always, it, it always seems to make them realize that some aspect of this is weird and it's also okay. <laughs> <laughs> that That's kind of like what I've noticed. I didn't know that's why I was doing it in the beginning. Uh, I used to just be really bad at talking to people. <laughs> so, so I would just like go sit next to them in hopes that they would talk to me. Uh, Let them and, start. Right. And, and that does happen, but over time it's, it's become a tool. <laughs> people really notice it. Like that is kind of like part of my, uh, individual personality at float. People know like, Oh, Rick's doing that thing that he does. <laughs> you need a name for it. It's called sitting down and being comfortable. Okay. <laughs> TM. Yeah. Uh, it's perfect. So yeah, I mean, it's, 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 uh, do you remember what they said? I don't remember what they said. Um, I think the best that I can remember is he just kept being like a dad. Uh, and he was just really, really dadding it up. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I like, I love that. Like, cause it, it was, it was like pure in a way. It's like, you just, you just dad it up all the time. Like you're just always kind of doing that thing. Um, and I want to like be okay with that. And I want to make sure that you're uh, pouring water right into the mic. <laughs> done it closer. It's okay. Yeah. I'll take some. Yeah, so I, I don't remember what they said, but, you know, it, it felt really authentic is the sense that I, I walked away from it. You know, like jokes aside, it, it felt really authentic for him to just continue to be the way that he is and in, in, in that interaction. Um, and it's something that I do all the time. I, I think it's kind of a fun experiment for me. Uh, I like to see how people respond to it. Um, because like under no circumstances am I being intrusive or am I being like weird or odd? Like I don't take any offense, but it's like, I'm just sitting next to you, like mm -hmm. in a space where people like sit on chairs and yeah. like, that's kind of like what we're doing here. So like, that's what I'm going to do. But it's, it's, it's fun to see how it like stirs people. Sure. I love, I, I just love that you don't say anything. <laughs> I just can't get over that. <laughs> Just because it's not, the reason why I love it is because I can feel myself like being weirded out, but also at the same time knowing it's not weird at all yeah. and then questioning why I think it's weird in the first place. Mm -hmm. It's just like this, you just start to like enter this vortex of like social anxiety and you're like, wait, I thought I was an extrovert. Why is that so weird? Should I be quieter? Should I talk to people? Um, so that's great. I mean, if you like, if you fly, you seem like the kind of person that's going to like 
strike up a conversation with somebody. Fly? Yeah, fly like on an airplane. Oh, I'm terrified of airplanes. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Like afraid they're going to go down? Every time. Really? So I like make peace before I get on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, Tiffany. <laughs> we had a good life. Yeah, I'm like, all right. Uh, usually you, I, I try to do it before I get on the airplane, so I'm not like trying to figure out like all of the things that I'm sad I didn't do while I'm on the airplane. <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's, uh, that, that's a thing. So airplanes, no. Okay. Um, you're quiet guy. Like, are you like, are you like shaking the whole time? Like I not shaking any sort of turbulence. We've never flown together. And we're gonna, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I usually will partake in liquid courage. Drinking is a big part of my flying platform. Um, it helps me. It really helps me. Uh, and I'll usually have a video, like a movie I'm watching, um, typically something like really distracting or something I'm really, really into, or I just have music, like I'll, I'll play like a lot of music really loudly, but at no point, like, and I'll like look out the window. I like looking out the window cause I think it's really pretty and it distracts me. It's like my visual cortex is so overwhelmed with the natural beauty that I don't have time to be worried about death. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, man, it's, I, I don't, I don't start a whole lot of conversations there. Uh, definitely not the place I feel most comfortable in the world. I, I, I distract myself pretty heavily. I talk to everyone on airplanes. Everyone. Yeah. Literally like aisle by aisle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Make sure. Oh, sir, what's your name? Yeah. As you're finding your seat. Like, hurry up lady. I'm sorry, sir. What's your name? <laughs> it took uh, us three hours to board this. So is it, what's your, what's your enter? What do you do? Um, usually it's like, where are you going? Where are you from? Yeah. I mean, it's like classic, yeah. easy, but I mean, some people are into it. Some people aren't. Sometimes it'll be like, I'm Nick from San Francisco headphones. Yeah. It's like, all right. That's I've him. been that guy. <laughs> yeah. He is that guy. He's, he's, he's self I've been yeah. that guy since, <clears throat> since he started working with us. Like yeah. just most of the time when I fly now, um, he goes rock star mode. I'm tired. I'm cranky. I like put sunglasses on. Like, I don't want to talk to people. I just want to sleep and like listen to whatever I'm listening to. He doesn't even want to talk to me. No, I really don't. Like I don't talk to anybody (laughs) in the crew. I just like, when we walk from gate to gate, I just have my headphones on unless we're trying to decide what to eat. I do like that vibe though. It's just kind of, it, it makes the day easier. Yeah, it really does. Cause usually we're flying in. It's just like a long day for us and we only fly when we're going like, far west coast so it's just a freaking so long at day least like five hours in the air yeah between the two so you're just like worn out mm. but um i i would like to be better at just interacting with people even when i don't feel like it which is not something that i do like if i don't feel like it i'm just not going to do it <laughs> but then i'll have days where i'm the most annoying extrovert ever and i talk <laughs> to the person at starbucks for five minutes when there's a line of people you know uh-huh there's not really an in between, <laughs> but it is fun to, to catch people off guard and yeah. even just be a normal, nice person. Cause they're not used to seeing that. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty wild. You know, that's kind of how I normal, nice person. Yeah. That's how I am. When I drive for Uber, actually, I do that every once in a while. I was doing that yesterday and just like, like you said, some people don't want to talk Yeah, and you I can, can read that I can and vibe just that. like let it, yeah. but, um, 
That's like my favorite thing about Uber is just conversations with people. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to be nice to people. Just like completely random people. It doesn't matter. And I know that they're like, they want, like a lot of people want that. Mm -hmm. Like we, we talk all the time about getting in Ubers and the dude didn't even speak English. And it's like, this is really awkward. And he's about to kill us because he's a crazy, used to be taxi driver. And it's just like, or he does speak English and he doesn't talk or like, well, I'll, I'll turn into the, to the Uber driver. Like I'm like, yeah. I'm like, so what do you do? How long you been doing this? Six months. Do you like it? It's fine. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but usually I'll continue to ask questions. Yeah. I'm like, uh-huh. okay, you're not going to talk to me. Well, now I'm going to ask I'm you 30 questions. You. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so it, it, I don't know. It's just interesting. I, I feel like, um, as a society, we've gotten less social For in, sure. uh, you know, with our voices and more so on, on the internet and it sucks. But that's how I'm going to find my wife is driving for Uber. She's going to, you would, yeah, that's a 100% accurate. <laughs> that's how it usually happens, right? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. That, it's one of the guarantees. The dating oh. Sign your waiver. Oh, it's in the, it's drive. in the terms and conditions. Right. Yeah. Nobody reads those. Uh, <laughs> that's correct. Um, well, this was really fun. Yeah, it was. Do you guys have, do you feel good? Do you have anything else you want to say? Mm-hmm. You feel like you need to make peace with anyone? Not, not until we fly in October. Okay. Where are you going? It'll be fine. Italy. What? Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for letting me know. Yep. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. How long? Uh, we'll be in Italy 13 days. Yep. Nice. Yeah. You're Friend is getting married in Sicily. Cool. So we're going to I mean, there. If it happens. <laughs> we're gonna, I'll drive a Ferrari. Yeah. There's a float center in, in Italy that we're going to go float nice. at. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Nice. And they don't speak English, I don't think. Uh, well, the only interaction I've had with them is through the magazine. Oh, yeah. And Oh, talk oh, about the magazine. Yeah. How did I not ask about that? You're not getting away with not talking about that. Uh, so, the um, well, to finish that story, uh, we have a, a form that people sign to, or the survey that people take to receive this magazine that I'm producing. Uh, and we have people all, all over the world going to be receiving it and there's a space for additional comments and it was just like 12 emojis and like floating in all capital letters. <laughs> so from that, I deduced that maybe he didn't speak a whole lot of English or maybe that's just like the move. Like yeah, Europe is like totally emoji out. Wow. <laughs> I would think we would be the first to do that, but yeah, maybe yeah. they are ahead of us. Yeah, so no more words. I'll uh, I'll come back on the podcast and break down the science of emojis when we get back from. I Italy. would love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the the magazine it's a third wave magazine. Um, some parallels drawn to the third wave coffee industry, but it's about floating. Um, so uh, m- me and my buddy Jake, one of the owners of Float STL, have been putting this together over the past few months, and it's awesome. It's going to come out in like 10 days. It's, uh, it's going to be the... <laughs> what are you laughing at? I was just... Oh, 10 days. 10 days. Yeah. <laughs> We're sending it to print in 10 days. Um, yeah, Uh, I'll I'll see you afterwards, Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, it's, it's, uh, it's focused around, um, exciting and increasing the craft of floating. So everything that we talked about today, you might imagine that 
people who have float centers all think this way. It's not necessarily the case. Um, a lot of people have really great intentions. A lot of people are really great, but we can all work together to get better at the craft of providing these floats for people right? and, and providing that guidance on how to do that. And then inspiring them with stories. Um, and then also like, it's a really great community of people and it's fun to hang out with everyone. So, uh, we, we put on a, uh, a, a gathering of industry professionals every year here in St. Louis it just happened um, April 21st and 22nd. And it, it's like amazing. It's phenomenal. Uh, it's so good to get into a room with all these people who are involved in floating and in the industry and offering this. Like definitely like probably the best weekend of my life was just a couple weekends ago. Mm. And um, we want to do that, but we want to do that on a quarterly basis in a print publication. So just creating more space, more time for people to interact in that way, to feel inspired, to be entertained, to hear what's cutting edge information in the float industry, and then packaging that up for them and sending it to them so they don't have to like go out looking for these stories. Uh, so we go and look for them and then, then we pass them along. It's, uh, it's really, it's really fun and exciting. Um, I, Never imagined I'd be making something like this, but it's such a cool idea. It's really fun. Well, you guys have multiple issues. Is that the idea? Every quarter. Do? Okay. For every four months. Every three months. months. Mm-hmm. Math. Three months. Yep. Is it going to be hard for me? <laughs> yeah. To like get, I don't, I don't know. How long have you been working on it? And how long would you think it'll take you to do the next one? Well, we've been working on this first issue since August of last year. So it's been. A good Has solid. It been that long? Oh wow. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he's like, yes, it feels like that long. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think about our like first conversations. Uh, Jake and I meet once a week um, to talk about stuff at Float, and then to work on the magazine. So we meet. We've been meeting every single week, and so I guess we're probably at thirty plus weeks right now of working in this current uh, partnership, and it. I mean, we had absolutely no idea what we were doing. Uh, no idea. We should so, talk about uh, Glenn and Lee and, and the masking. Yeah. So at the FloatCon, I wasn't at Float Conference. It was uh, in August where I initially met Kevin. Mm-hmm. That's called FloatCon. Okay. Ours is called Rise Float Gathering. Um, uh, at FloatCon in August, um, Jake is really close with Glenn and Lee Perry, who... Um, if you recall from earlier in the uh, talk that we're having, Glenn is the one who took the isolation tank and turned it into a float tank. Okay. And their company is the one who produced the first commercial float tank on the market. And they've been kind of around forever. Uh, they produced a magazine in 77 and 78 uh, called Floating Magazine. Um, they produced three issues of it. And we knew none of this. Uh, so when Jake was at the conference, um, Lee came up to him and handed these to him, handed these copies of these magazines to him. They're so cool. They're cool. They look really Like great. original yeah. vintage. That's awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah, I have them. I'll show you after we're done talking. And, um, and then the conversation was like, Jake was like, well, what do you want me to do with these? And she's like, I don't know. I just want you to have them. I think that you're a good person to have them. 
And then they got talking more. <laughs> Did she know that you were doing the magazine at the time? This, no. We weren't even doing the magazine. Oh, this wow. is how it this all started. Is the okay. Okay. I can't yeah. believe I almost missed this. I would have been so mad at myself if we <laughs> didn't talk about the magazine because that was like one of three things. That's yeah. why I need to start yeah. taking notes. Anyway, continue. Uh, so the um, they they talked more, and she was like, "You should do that. You should do this." And Jake's like, "Do what?" He's like, "You should make a magazine." And Jake was like, okay. Um, he had tried to make one before and it's kind of funny. He, he, he really, really tried to enlist me in this magazine. He was, he was trying to make like a local zine and I was like, nah, dude, not doing that. <laughs> uh, but, um, just you know, why? Cause the idea of all the work or you weren't interested in the content. I, I just thought like it was, it was too broad of a concept. Um, to give me any traction because when I'm working in very like broad spaces, I just wasn't, wasn't there and I wasn't into it and I wasn't like settled at all at that point. Um, I mean, he's like a really good friend. So I can, I can just say like, no, I'm not going to do yeah. that with you. <laughs> like, sorry, like let me know next time. And then there was a next time. Uh, and he texted me from FloatCon and said like, Hey, like, what do you think about making a float industry magazine? Like Glenn and Lee or Lee just gave us these and like snapped some pictures. And, and then I was like, okay. And then on the other side of the line, I just opened up my computer and started designing the cover. Uh, just like, and I sent him those over and then we just started kind of churning it out. You had no idea like what the content was going to be. You're like, here's no. a cover idea. Yeah. yeah. Just threw, I threw out like six cover ideas that I put together in like an hour just to like, start to like try to feel, try to feel it out, feel what it looks that like. That is so cool. That's like saying, do you want to start a band and then coming up with a band name like, yeah. before you ever get together and play <laughs> music? Which is what like every high school band does. <laughs> and that's why they're so good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, we just. I just started cranking that out and started thinking about it. Is that that's what I do? Um, so I'm the I'm the art director for the magazine, and Jake is the the editor uh-huh. of the magazine. Uh-huh. So um, that's my role is like figuring out how it feels artistically, what it, what the environment is that we're going to set up, and then. I'm also writing a lot of the content, but Jake is helping me shape like the psychology of the experience for the person reading it and just holding me accountable to writing things well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm holding him accountable to writing things well, but that's kind of beside the point. The, it just started there. It started there and then we had no idea what we were doing. Um, but we just started I've meeting. I've never written anything. I've never like, just like yeah. started writing articles, posted them through float. Yeah. Uh, practicing. I never wrote anything that I wasn't required to. Right. Right. So right. does float STL have a blog that you were writing for? Is that what you mean? Putting them out through float? That's how yeah. it started. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was just like, okay, like how do I start doing this? Um, I just start, I just start writing. So just start writing and, I ended up publishing a few blog articles on um, Float STL's page and then writing some for the magazine and slowly just getting a little bit better at it, reading, learning, listening to a lot of things about how to write and how to tell stories and, um, you know, just kind of pushing headstrong into 
the void of knowledge that I have. And I mean, nothing has prepared me for what this is. <laughs> I mean, it, it is a huge, huge, huge production. Um, and I love it. I love, I love being like over my head in that. I, I, I mean, it, it really does. It feels like that, but in like the best way It's like, there, there's this really cheesy quote that's like, you don't know how tall you are until you're in over your head. Um, and I'm just like kind of bobbing or like floating on the surface of that sometimes. Coming above the no salt water problem. just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like my feet are off the ground, you know, I'm just like trying to, right. trying to breathe, you know, it's just like, let, let's, let's stretch and find these things. If anyone's, ca- I mean, everyone's capable of doing these things. There's nothing that says I can't write what I feel or write what I learn or tell other people's stories or, you know, make illustrations or what make a magazine. Right. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's been really, really amazing. We've been received so well by the industry. We'll be sending to 220 plus centers in the world. Um, probably 30 to 50 of those are international, uh, Australia, New Zealand, um, Norway, Netherlands, United Kingdom, Italy, Canada, Mexico, uh, Romania. Uh, it's like, had no idea that was going to happen. So cool. How did you take it from here's some cover designs to Romania wanting a copy? How in the world? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, did you talk with like, does Kevin have all these contacts? And he was like, Hey, this is a cool idea. Oh. Let me contact all my buddies across the world that run centers. Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you how that happened. Um, th- I sent a postcard to every single float center in the world that I could find an address for. So just sitting in the space. Yeah. Hire me sitting in the space. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, it's fun because we have, uh, a little section in our survey that we ask subscribers to f- fill out that says, how did you hear about us? And all these people all across the world who got these postcards said, you heard about me. <laughs> <laughs> you showed up in my mailbox. It's so great. So that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I got those addresses. Um, and, made a postcard and then I I wrote every single one by hand that went other went somewhere other than the United States. Wow. So I spent a lot of time I, I probably, thought he was crazy. It's like what are you doing? How many did you make? <laughs> yeah, we made close to eight hundred. Oh so wow. if you this is to the listener, if you don't think that you could handle handwriting your wedding invites you can maybe you, maybe you couldn't but <laughs> you, you're you're not as crazy as rick is or as driven it's man just, that's awesome i dude. couldn't get the formatting to work right for the international addresses in in excel so the it uh-huh. was it was like well i could mess with this for five more hours or i could just start writing so I just, I just started writing yeah, um, and then bought stamps and sent them out. And then I fortunately figured it out in time to send out the U S ones. Cause there were about 400 of those. So yeah, I probably hand writ wrote, uh, 300, 350 postcard addresses. And what did they say? Um, the, it, it said it was two sided like paper is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just in case this is your first time. 
talking about paper. <laughs> <laughs> On the front of it, it said, Introducing Third Wave Magazine, uh, the Float Industry Magazine, sign up by uh, a date that was not accurate at all. Sign up by <laughs> this date to receive the magazine. And then um, the website... And then on the back, it had two excerpts of teasing future articles. So the first one was about Rise, because we were just about to go to Rise. and uh, The conference. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, yes. Thank you. Um, it said, Kevin, you know, the, the article that I'm writing with Kevin is, Kevin McCullough talks about Rise and how a community-centric event can enliven and inspire a community. Uh, I didn't say community twice. <laughs> I, I edited one of those communities out. Uh, Everybody was worried about that as you were saying yeah, that. I can all tell. The listeners yeah, cringing. He was no be, way. I just want to write community twice. Want to be clear? Just he hand wrote that on paper. <laughs> Two sided. <side. laughs> uh, and then the other article that I teased is an article that we're putting together with um, one of the industry leading manufacturers, James Ramsey, with Superior Float Tanks. And the article that we're, we are doing in, in uh, conjunction with him is how he went from a float center owner to an industry leader. So um, earlier, I, he just sent over all the prototypes the protopods that he was uh, designing with his, um, you know, designers and mechanical engineers in the process of coming to the final product, which is the Evolution Float Pod. Which is what you use uh, at Float STL. Yeah, we use the, um, yeah, we, we call them the Superior Float Pods or the Genesis Float Pods. He's gone over, he's done some rebrands. Okay. But mm-hmm. yes, those are the devices that we use. We work with his company uh, ex- exclusively right okay. now. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's what it said. It just, it teased two articles said, Hey, come do this, sign up. You're going to get it for free. So we have it entirely, uh, paid for by sponsors so we can nice. send it out to every center in the world for free. That's as amazing. As long as they sign up. What, uh, I mean, what sort of sponsors are sponsoring a float magazine? Mm-hmm. Are they all float companies or, um, spaces? Yeah. Centers? Pardon- <laughs> centers, centers is good. Um, any of those work. Uh, so James with Superior is a huge, huge sponsor for us. Um, so we're writing that article in conjunction with him. So it is an advertisement piece, okay. and that'll be dictated in the magazine that it is advertisement. But we are putting it together, okay. um, you know, with our standards and ethics. Um, beyond that, we have just more standard advertisement. Bud Light. Uh, Bud Light, uh, <laughs> Corona, uh, Colgate. Um, Smooth and refreshing, 99 calories. Do you ever get that nasty mouth feeling in a float? <laughs> uh, so it, we have a, a big sponsor, super great sponsor. Um, they're called Float Fuel. They're a subsidi- subsidiary of the PQ Corporation. And PQ Corporation produces... Um, for our purposes and for purposes of conversation, a lot of different chemicals, but they produce Epsom salt. Um, so they're a big time salt manufacturer. They make a really great product. It's all produced in the States and then it's medical grade. 
Um, so shout out to PQ <laughs> and Float Fuel. Uh, Not a sponsor for this podcast, but for the <laughs> But if you want to, <laughs> I'll talk about you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so them and then uh, m- my friend Luke um, Kruger with Mandala Float Technologies, he produces this float fan. So it's this entirely silent fan that you can hook up to your device. Um, which I don't understand how you have a silent fan, but he, he does. It's called the Mandala float fan. Um, or I might be butchering that, but the Mandala Mandala company is, is who he is. Um, so he, he was super generous and, and sponsored us. So it all, it all is kind of centric around, um, floating the experience of floating the yeah, experience of floating that's cool that you guys are able to keep that yeah mm. yeah and then other things that you know assist so we have um a attachment for our washing machine that ozonates the water and we actually use ozone as a part of the filtration cycle for our float devices but we actually use this ozonating box called a nature washer for all of our laundry now um, so we're using ozone to clean our towels wow. instead of dish detergent. Uh, so they're laundry. Detergent. Well, I always do that. Or- <laughs> yeah. We don't use too. either. It's <laughs> true. One time I put dish detergent in the laundry. How did that go? Didn't you do that uh, for like a couple months? Well. I think I was doing it for a couple months. I used to live with, um, with a guy named Kyle here in St. Louis. Oh, and Kyle. My mom, silly Kyle. Well, my mom had um, just gifted me with like this care package of cleaning materials, which Uh is so sweet of her. And she had like Lysol and all this stuff that no 21 year old boy wants to purchase. Right. And included in there were pods, both for the dishwasher (laughs) and for laundry. And they look similar if you don't read them to a 21 year old, they look similar. So um, I just like started using them. Uh And, but I would leave them on top of the, the, um, washer and one day i got a text from kyle i think it was a picture of the pods and he goes Has, have you been using these in your clothes and i go yeah why it's like this is dish detergent it's <laughs> like well <laughs> i guess it works the same because my clothes are fine and they smell okay and i feel like such an idiot you really made um, me feel better about myself right there when i said you're, dish welcome. Detergent. <laughs> you're welcome we're like on the same level yeah and for those of you that you know have leftover dish detergent and no laundry detergent fire it up i mean I almost it worked okay that, for me i almost did that literally two days ago so oh, really i i considered it i couldn't find the oh, laundry yeah, detergent yeah. we have a co-working space that we share with a bunch of other people called tech artista and i couldn't find any laundry detergent they have a washing machine there uh that's, that's a yeah, good point so, yeah yeah we were bringing stuff over there to wash cool. while we were working and then i like it saw the dish detergent different like i think it can yeah i mean i okay, think it right. could <laughs> well it used to be back in the day it was so obvious which one because i feel like everybody used the same brand like you had the really yeah. big guy you had the fabric softener you had the detergent and then the dish detergent looked so different in mm-hmm. a different bottle and now everything's a pot yeah. Yeah. And now people are eating them. Yeah. Now people are eating them. You didn't know which one to eat. <laughs> <laughs> which one tastes better? That's that's what we need. Well, who, next time. Who can, next time we'll do that. Um, man, I want to ask you so many questions about the magazine thing. Um, so, have, go yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to ask, like, do you know how much one pod costs, mm-hmm. or like your all's pods cost? 
Yeah, the um, it's in general. I think it, it depends. I'm not totally up to date with the the pricing, but the pods that we purchased were somewhere around twenty five thousand dollars, and then the float rooms that we purchased were upwards of thirty. Okay, um, and then also, do you know, like, because you you said ten thousand pounds of Epsom salt. I said one thousand. One thousand pounds. Yeah. Uh, so like, how much is that Epsom salt like recycled, or do you like? How often is that? Do you have to put new in, or oh, yeah. and how? Like, basically, what is your Epsom salt bill per year? <laughs> is what I'm wondering. Like, how much does that cost? I can send you all our spreadsheets <laughs> if yeah. you really want to see them. Break it down. Um, we get the Epsom salt when we buy it in bulk. We buy pallets, so we buy buy it by the ton. Uh, a lot of salt. It's a lot of salt. We usually get four tons at a time. Jeez. Uh, maybe sometimes more. We have a warehouse that we store it in, so sometimes we get like six, eight tons just to have it kind of like... You get it cheaper if you buy more. Right. Yeah. We get it for 23 cents a pound. So there's math there. $230 per... No. 23 cents a pound. And a thousand pounds. pounds. A th- yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to go by tons. Would be $230. That doesn't seem accurate. It seems no. like it costs more than that. It's 23 Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's yeah, the math. Okay. But yeah. uh, I think, you know, it's... it's. I probably have my math wrong. But I, I want to say it costs us closer to five, six, seven hundred $700 to fill it up with salt. I'm not sure right. if there are other fees associated with it that... I'm not privy to. I don't do any of the numbers. So to put it in perspective, I mean, a float, at least at float STL, is how much? It is $65 for a 90-minute session. So is this a profitable industry? Uh, I genuinely don't know. Like, is there some gracious person that's just like, like you should be charging $200? You know, well, I mean, it sounds so expensive to run. We're not self deprecating. Like we pay ourselves and we make money. Um, it is profitable in a sense, but it's not, it's not like a cash cow that Mm -hmm. we're just like rolling in the dough. Mm -hmm. You know, it's people who get into it for the money often don't stay in it because the scalability of it is, is, uh, it can only go so far mm-hmm. and it can go pretty far, but we have nine devices in St. Louis, um, which is, you know, nine floats every two hours. Um, so we need nine people to float every two hours, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it, you know, that's, that's a lot of people when you start running those numbers. We did, uh, th- we do 13, 13,000 floats a year, 15,000 floats a year. Wow. Um, we've done, probably close to 40,000 since we've been open. So, you know, there's, that's a lot, a lot of people, but it doesn't, it doesn't scale. I mean, I, I don't think there's any like VC coming in to support like massive float centers. Like nobody's dumping that much capital into it. It, it provides a really nice life for us. And mm-hmm. a lot of the, the compensation is being able to float and being able to just be with people in that space. And like, I don't wear shoes when I'm at work. Mm-hmm. Ever, um, pretty chill. Yeah, yeah, I can like lay on the couch for a half hour in between sessions if I want mm-hmm. to. Uh, drink tea, water. I can work a little bit. I can read. I can. It has float. to be like the least stress filled job ever. 
Yeah. Like, I don't know what yeah. else would be <laughs> yes. less than that. Right? I mean, the, the only thing that I like to pass on to people when it comes to that is when you have that much time to kill, you find ways to fill it. Mm. It, it gets filled. So we, we constantly have to be purging not only the things, the items that we collect for the space, but the projects and ideas that we have for the space and for the company. So, you know, there are, there are a million business ideas that we have that we come up with in the center. There are all these ways to fill it, all of these things that we could be doing. The practice is to continue to return to. It's not necessary to <laughs> be doing things all the time. Um, and it's really, it's hard for us and we float all the time. Um, so we have, you know, the, the two ideas that made it through that process of, um, filtering is the rise conference and the magazine. So, you know, my days are super chill, but that's what I do while I'm, I'm there now to a degree when it's appropriate. Uh, but it's, it's so difficult to sit in that space while people are floating and not want to like move a chair around or like change the music or like do this or do that. All these different things that we could occupy our time with. Like we need to practice what we preach and Mm. just hang out, hang out and enjoy the space. Well, again, you're very good at it. I mean, I think if you weren't relaxed or if you were working on your computer, when I walked in, like say you Say I did walk in and was like, hey, I'm your one o'clock. And you're like, great, we'll get you signed in. Here's an iPad. And I sign in. And then you don't talk to me again. You don't communicate with me. You're like, you can have a seat. There's tea right there if you want some. There's some water in the fridge. And then you go back to working on your computer. If I'm a first timer, I am freaked out. Because I was already nervous coming Mm -hmm. in. I was like, I don't know what this is going to be. I've heard this is life-changing for some people. (laughs) What's going to happen in there? Mm -hmm. Uh, Am I going to get claustrophobic? You know, but... I mean, two minutes in, I was like, oh, it's going to be fine. This dude is so relaxed. <laughs> like, There's other people in here that have done this before that are just like, it's just a very peaceful environment. So I totally get Alex. You wanted to like, just go hang <laughs> without even floating. Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's a cool, it's a cool space. And I don't think there's anything else like it. I mean, even if you go to a coffee shop, most people are in their devices. And um, you made a comment, Rick, the other day when I was, after my float, you said something about sitting, like how we were talking about just like putting our devices away when we go into a certain, like if we're going to get lunch with somebody, leave your phone in the car. Mm-hmm. Like if they get up to go to the bathroom and you're just sitting there looking around, most people are probably going to think that's a little odd. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not eating or doing something or having a conversation, you're just like looking at people and you're like, what's up with that guy? What's he up to? And um, I would love for that to become more. Doesn't he normal. have a cell phone to look at? Right. Look at this guy got a cell phone. Look at this guy looking around. It's kind of creepy that we've become that way. But happy to have people like you guys in the world spreading the love, spreading the joy. Oh, we're spreading it. This was an absolute pleasure. Yes. Thank you so much for for doing this. Do you have anything else? You feel good? Oh, yeah. I could talk forever, but... I could, too. We're we're good. We can do it again. Yeah, we should do it again. I feel good. I'd love to do it again when the magazine comes out and just um, to hear about you know, even like flip through it and maybe yeah. post some photos and stuff. If people want to make sure check I'm it out, still alive. I think you'll be okay. <laughs> I, will. I think you'll be okay. Yeah. It's just funny to say. So. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. 
awesome. Well, thank you guys so much thank for joining. You. Bye, guys. Peace. What's up, dude? What's up, dude? Oh.